for the quietness and the stillness this morning to meet and to look at your word. And we pray that you would uh, bless me with the words to express what you've put into my heart over these, these past few weeks. That it would be clear and it would stir within us a greater desire and passion to serve you and to love those that are around us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Swaggart excited me a little bit last night. You know, I had that moment of panic a couple of places you went. I thought, oh, he's getting ready to go right right there. Uh, but but uh, so it was an encouragement uh, to me because the things that we, we studied and looked at last night are some things that I would like for us to look at and go a little a little further with. If you would turn with me to Colossians this morning. This is one of my uh, favorite little books in all of Scripture. And this morning I want to, to, uh, to look at and, and consider some, some things uh, out, of, out of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, I want to just remind you of a couple of, of, of things because so often um, we forget who a passage is written to the purpose of it, and that's what I would like for us to begin with. This little letter, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. So he was not writing to someone who was unfaithful. He was writing to someone who was faithful. And what he includes in this message to someone who is faithful is a little surprising. Because you know what he does? He starts um, in, in general, and then he becomes to some very specific things for this church to do. And I tell them oftentimes when I'm privileged to shiller things. But I have one particular child who the only thing we want to do is get the big picture done. If you get the big picture done and you get it checked off, you have had a successful day. I'm very blessed to have another child that the details can take all day to perform a simple task. And I'm left exasperated because I'm more like the first child, the first case study that we looked at. Paul wants us to be diligent in the little things because when you get to where you can do little things quickly, do you know what you're able to do? Big things correctly. Okay? Now then, look with me in, as we go a little bit further. He wants, them, he wants them to know His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all, pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, when do you guys learn something? None of you know when you learn something. Just happens to you all. It doesn't to me. Do you know when I learn things? When I have a need. Without a need, do you know what I do not learn? Now, there are things that I like to look at and I like to study, but to learn something and for something to stay with me for years, do you know what it takes? It takes a need. And hopefully when we get over to chapter 3, I'm going to show you the need that all of us have. Look, look what happens. He's wanting them to learn. Now look how, look how he wants them to go about this. He wants them to walk worthy of the Lord, to be pleasing to Him, fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. And look what it is unto Not victory, but what? Patience. What do all of us want to avoid? What do you tell everybody? Don't pray for patience. Don't pray for patience. You you hear all those things. I'm not encouraging you to pray for patience. But as you understand the Lord's will in your life, do you know what it will require for it to come to pass? Patience. 
The Lord waits patiently for things. And if we want to be Christ-like, what do we have to learn to do? Wait patiently. Now look with me, and, and not only patience, but long-suffering. Now this is the kicker to me. I can wait for things patiently. But joyfully wait for them? That's different. How many of us want to be patient and long-suffering and joyful about it? Raise your hand. You all want to do that. But you know how we want to do it? We want it to happen to us. But guess what? It's not going to just happen to us. It's as we are strengthened. You know the only way to do this? And and we are going to move forward to chapter 3. You know, it is hard to lay a foundation in 30 seconds because, see, I've been thinking about this for weeks. And you guys are, you've come in here and I'm blasting you. And that's not what I want to do. But I want to lay a pretty quick foundation so we can look over in chapter 3. How do so many of us try to wait in our own strength, through our own discipline? And guess what we become? Now, I have another child that's a case study. This child is wonderful because he is content. I'm going to give you away. It is not my girls. All you have to do is let them open their little eyes and they see something wonderful that they've not seen before and that they really need. But I have another child that is content just to go with me. Just so he is in my presence and we're just taking the journey, all is well. Do you know the one person in our house that has the most joy? This case study. Because you know what? Someone who is content, do you know what they usually are? Joyful. This child has never had a checklist. Never been worried about finishing anything. Just so Guess what? We're all together and we're all content and nothing too bad wrong. Do you know why we do not like to suffer and we're not patient? We try to do it apart from the Lord. And what happens when you try to do something apart from the Lord? How fruitful will you be? Any of y'all tried to do things apart from the Lord? Okay, what happens in the end? Are you, we're usually disappointed, aren't we? And we usually get less than if we had walked with the Lord. And He's wanting them to learn this. Now then, verse 12, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now I'm going to stop here and skip so that we can get get to some things I want us to look at this morning. What does it all come back and hinge upon? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I want you to flip with me now to Colossians chapter 3. We have a lot of warnings there in 2. And he warns people who are faithful. Because as, um, <clears throat> as we were reminded last night, what does Satan desire to do? He desires to distract that, to stop that that is going to be fruitful, that is going to be productive that is going to accomplish the plans and purposes of God. And that's what those warnings all have to do with. Now pick up with me in chapter 3. If then, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall then shall you also appear with Him in glory. 
And if you'll read between the lines, we have faith, love, and hope here. Okay? Those words are not used. Now then, I want to look at this next part because I I feel like that this is where the rubber meets the road in this little book. Mortify, therefore, deaden your members which are upon earth. And he lists some things that are terrible. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, which is very strong desires for such a difficult word, it's hard to say. And covetous, which is idol- covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, what does he tell these faithful people to do? Mortify, kill these things. Because you know what we're still in? The flesh. And you know what keeps coming up? Over and over and over again are these things, are they not? When we get our warning in Galatians, what are we told to do? He tells us who will not inherit the kingdom. And guess what the list looks like? These very things. Now look what he says. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off these. And I want you to pay close attention Because I'm going to tell you, those people who have a heightened sense of responsibility to the Lord experience a struggle with these things. The first thing is anger. You say, well, I'm not angry. Let someone say or do something that you know is totally wrong or incorrect. And guess what happens with us? Do any of you get angry when you see someone else suffering for something they didn't do or they shouldn't be suffering for? That is righteous anger, right? What happens when it happens to you? Why does it make you mad? Now we're getting ready to go and I'm going to expose all of you here in just a minute. Okay? So y'all better be agreeable and come on with me now because if not, I'll just start pulling you out one at a time. Okay? And I always start with Brother Tracy. So when it starts with him, y'all know it's begun. (laughs) What's the next thing? Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Put all of these things off. Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Now we're told to put off things, and now we're going to be told what to put on. Okay? It, it's important for us to put this on. Because I believe if you do not put the things on that we're talking about here, you can't put on the whole armor of God. If you are not prepared behind the armor, the armor is going to do you very little good. Okay? Now let's look. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. What are we? The first thing we're supposed to put on bowels of mercy, kindness. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Wow. How many of you can do this in the flesh? Everybody raise your hand. Because you know what you can do a little of? All of those things. But you know what it is hard to do day in and day out? If this is who you are, you're walking in the Spirit. You're doing little things well. And I'm going to show you how we know if we're doing little things well or not. If you, if you can be patient and bear with me a little, bit, <clears throat> a little bit longer. Now look what he says next. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. 
Now then, I want to tell you one of the things that is most troubling to me as a believer in the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is I find that those of us with a greater knowledge of things have a harder time forgiving. Because do you know what knowledge does to us? Puffs us up. Now, what should these truths do with, with us? They, Paul wrote these things that they would be more forgiving because of the reward that is for those who do the things that he commands them. And that's hard for us. I watch. I watch. It is always amazing to me. And, and, and this is disillusionment. From, from being younger, when I first came into these truths, I thought everyone who was actively seeking to enter into the kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ would be very gracious, very forgiving, very loving. And guess what I found out? Hmm. Some people are much more rigid, much sharper in what they say. And guess what I'm thinking? Step back. Because why? The Lord's going to call us into account if we're not humble. Now then, I want you to, I want you to look with me. Be meticulous to forgive after what we heard last night. I want to ask you, how many of you, and they can't see you on the Cam, so you can raise your hand. I really want you to raise this. How many of you in the last week have had someone come to you and sincerely apologize to you for some way they have sinned against you? I got two of you, if I count correctly. Now let me ask you this. How many of you in the last week have gone with a heartfelt apology under conviction of the Holy Spirit to someone and apologize. Don't raise your hands because I do not want you looking righteous. Keep your hands down. I'm going to scan the crowd after I finish this and I'll tell you how many did it, okay? How many of us have been in that spirit to someone for forgiveness? Because if not, if you're not apologizing regularly, you're proud. How do you know this? I'm a parent. I'm a husband. And do you know what husbands and fathers are terrible at? There are two people nodding their head. Bless both of your hearts. Because you know what I'm talking about. Do you know the hardest, one of the hardest people in the world it is if I am proud to go to and apologize? Everybody say my wife. No, it's my children. Because I'm an authority over them, okay? And usually I'm right. And if I am wrong, it's usually because they deceived me into something and made it look like I was wrong, right? As a husband, I say things, I get more in more trouble for things I say. You know, all of those, all of you who are, your husband speaks and you're here with him, you know, you sit kind of on the edge, kind of cringed up. What is he going to say? I hope it's all smooth and he's nice and like he's supposed to be. Right, Ellen? <laughs> She's relieved because Tracy doesn't usually speak. <laughs> so these are real relaxing for her. Jaren doesn't want me to offend other people. But y'all know who I'm best at offending? Her. Do you know why the Lord puts us in relationship in a very close and intimate way with someone? Do you know what it is to get rid of? To reveal to us who we are. I know there are a few of you in here who are not married, and, and, and you will, you would, y'all would quickly say to us, you're right. If you, are, if you function alone, guess what you don't have to do as much of? 
If you function by yourself, how many of you have to apologize for yourself for just being polite and nice to yourself? No. But you put you in relationship, and guess what you have to do? Now then, let's go just a little further. And he says, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness or completeness or maturity. Do you know how to know that you are maturing? When you're able to do the things that are in front of this. In love. Like I tell my children, you need to go apologize. I know you don't feel loving towards your wonderful sibling right now, but go do it. And do you know what happens as you go do it? The giving and the receiving of forgiveness is to work things in and out of us. Do you all know what we get tired of doing? Men are the laziest people on the planet. All you ladies, all you men agree. Guess what we are? We usually take the path of least... Re- Pick this book up and read it. And do you know what men do from the beginning cover to the end of this? Do you know what men in the flesh are? They're lazy. Guess what they don't like to do? You remember David at the time that kings go out to war? What did he do? He stayed home. And he created all manner of complications for himself. What do we struggle with? Being lazy. So guess what? If you have to apologize a lot, you know, get, you know what you start wanting to do? Don't offend and guess what you don't have to do? I've got a child sitting up toward the front that he's had a lot of practice. He gave himself away. <laughs> See, he's fidgety. Look what happens next. Let the word, put on love and then let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Do you know how bodies function best? In unison. And the things that are mentioned in front in the first part of this passage are to lead us to oneness. Now then, look what happens next. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If you've been giving mercy, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering, forgiving someone, do you know what it makes you? Do you know what the Holy Spirit specializes in? These are all the things He specializes in. And do you know what they do? They reconcile people. They put things in order. And do you know what we need? Order. Look at the next part. And whatsoever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. How many of us live up close and personal with the people in our lives under this kind of leadership of the Holy Spirit? Every word, every deed, I'm doing this because Christ wants me to. You say, I couldn't do that. No, 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 no. You can. The Lord never calls us to do something we cannot do. We have the person of the Godhead in the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us. It's what we sang about last night. Yielding. What is it hard for us to do? When do we want our rights acknowledged? Now. So guess what we've lost sight of? That hope that's mentioned several times in this little book. Now, let's go with the litmus test because Paul does a great job. I want you to notice that we're going to see three couplets. We're going to have each time the lesser is addressed first. Okay? We have wife, husband, child, father, 
Master, uh, servant, master. Okay? And this is how we know how we're doing. Look what he says. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Ladies, what's the hardest thing to do? I mean, if you're really honest. My wife, on a couple of real honest, candid conversations, has told me this. And not ugly. See, if you trust the Lord, you can trust your husband. Okay? My wife struggles with me when she's not trusting who. She told me this, ladies. I, this is not contrived on my behalf. This is what. When she is trusting the Lord, when her confidence is the, in the Lord is great, do you know what it is easy to do to me? Trust. Because you know who's going to pick me up and adjust me in a hurry if she's trusting the Lord to do it? The Lord's going to do it. And if my wife, two times in my life, in our married life, she's told me, I'm scared for you. Do y'all know what that does to me? <laughs> That's what it does to me. <laughs> because you know who, do y'all know who knows me better than anyone else? Do you know who I usually spend, share three meals a day with? Do you know who sees me when I get up in the morning? You know the last person that sees me at night is my wife. She knows who I am. And it scares her sometimes too. Look what happens. Next, he addresses husbands. He says, love your wives. And then he gives us a warning. Does the Lord ever give warnings carelessly? He says, Be not bitter against them. Do you know what makes you bitter? What is the thing that makes you bitter? Does anyone know? Anybody want to guess? Jealousy? There's another one I'm looking at, thinking of maybe. What happens when you don't forgive someone? Have you ever been bitter at someone? What does it do to those things up here? What does it do to your uh, mercy, your kindness, your meekness, your long-suffering? What does it do when you fail to forgive? You become bitter. Do you know what you do? At our house, we kind of chuckle. After it's over, we call them cold wars. Because everything's cold. How was your morning? Yeah. Okay. Do you know who is usually the person in our relationship who says, what's wrong? Y'all don't want to guess. Ladies, y'all want to guess, don't you? Who usually does that? My wife. I don't want to ask that question. Do you men know why I don't want to ask that question? It could take three hours to get to the answer. And I don't have three hours for people I'm in close relationship with. But now I can go over here and minister to Brother Ken for six or eight hours. Because I love him. I might not see him again for six months. I better get my time in. But I fail to do it with my wife. And, and who's affected? Well, the people who are affected, please raise their hand. Yeah. My children are affected by how I interact with my wife. And if I love them and I want to serve them, I want to edify and build them up, guess what I'm going to have to be good at? And I have people tell me all the time, I do not care how much any one of you give. I don't care who you minister to. I don't care what you do. If you don't do well at home, I do not believe the Lord is going to be pleased with you when you stand before Him at the judgment seat of Christ. Because I think that Paul makes these the most important things. Okay? Let's look a little further here. As I told you, men, we're always, we get a couple of warnings here. 
Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Is that difficult sometimes? Yes. But all five of my children are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And if they ask the Lord for wisdom on how to interact with me, do you know what He is always faithful to show them? I've got one of my children who's really good at coming to me. She's a little bit like her mother. She can come and apologize to me and make me want to weep. So who does that tell you is usually done wrong? Humility, meekness, do you know what it, you know what it does? It humbles people. Do you know how we think, men, that we're going to humble people? Pressure. We think we're going to press people on the outside and humble them. But do you know how you humble them? Uh, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering. That's how you humble someone. Now look at what he says to fathers again. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Now what are we told here? What does that tell us that we're probably inclined to do? Fathers, how often do we vex our children if we're walking in the leadership of the Holy Spirit? We consider what we're saying it, how we're saying it, when we're saying it. Do you know what that takes? Discernment. Do you know what Paul was always wanting to build up in the churches that when he would write to them? What did he want them to be able to do? There are all manner of things he tells them to, to, to discern. To discern the times. If you can't discern your own family, how are you going to rightly divide the Word of God if you can't understand those you're living with? Are we going to be good at it? We're not. Now look what happens next. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. How many of y'all have ever had a difficult boss? None of you have ever had a job. Okay, we have one person back here who's had a job. How many of us have quit a job because of a difficult boss? No, don't raise your hand. That makes you look righteous. No, I'm just kidding. I quit a job once because guess what I didn't like? Once you have a wife and five kids, you don't quit jobs. They fire you or something, but you don't don't quit anymore. So the Lord has a way of curing a lot of things. Do you know why I quit? It was impossible from my perspective. So does that sound like I was walking in the Spirit? Who was I concerned about? Myself. Now, who owns me, Brother Allen? My Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't pray about whether to quit. Guess what I did? Anybody with good sense would know what. Get out from under this. I had a friend when I was in college. He walked in. He was the person discipling me, by the way. He walked in to hire on as a jo- for a job, and you know what he told me? Put me with your most difficult supervisor. Anybody ever had anybody come in and ask for that? Do you know what his thought process was? I have the Holy Spirit residing inside of me. I have the Word of God of how to deal with this man. And all those other people don't have a clue. God is able to help me change this supervisor. How many of us who are believers in the coming kingdom and the Lord rewards us are willing to take on tough battles? Or do we still like the path of least resistance? Look what he says. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. Why do we get in trouble? We try to please man. 
And who does the Lord want us to please? Think of all the difficulties the Lord endured and what his father said about him. What does he say? Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. How many of us know that and how many of us believe that? Because do you know how to get more rewards? More humility. Humble yourself under difficult people and guess what happens? Do you know what the Lord takes is mindful of? You remember in the Sermon on the Mount what he starts with? Got to have a right spirit and then what happens? Look what happens next. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Why didn't he put that after masters? Because he knows what servants can do. Did y'all know that servants can do wicked things? Difficult things? Mean things? In the flesh, what do we want to do, guys? I tell them my lineage, if you knew some of my family, you put them in a grudge match, and we have won like 700 in a, in a row, never lost one. Put us in a grudge match. We are the best at it. I can match you difficulty for difficulty all day long. What's that functioning out of? The flesh. Now look what happens next. We finally get to masters given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you shall all that you also have a master in heaven. Now, how many of us are good masters? I tell you, we all love authority, right? But what are we like there? Do you, do you men want to humble yourselves? If your kids are old enough, ask them. Do you think I was fair in this situation? They'll lie to you the first five times. Because you know who they don't want to get in trouble with? Do you, know, do you know what we usually do, men, when we ask someone for feedback? Do you know what we usually do? We justify ourselves and why we did it. Did y'all know that? Okay, let's be real brave here. If your wife's here, look over at her and say, Ladies, don't tell him the truth. But when you go to lunch, say, I feel bad. I lied to you sitting in the sanctuary. Sometimes I don't tell you things because I don't really know how you're going to respond. <laughs> but there are a lot of people sitting around, so I know you're going to do well right now. Right? Now, I'm being a little lighthearted, but I'm really being pretty serious. I watch what happens with us. I want you to, to consider with me in Ephesians, if you'll just flip back to Ephesians for just, just a... Ephesians chapter 5. Let's pick up in verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things and to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. No woman has to fear these next few verses if her husband submits to other people. I tell my daughters, as you and I evaluate a young man that would like to marry you, if he does not submit to authority, you do not want him.
Look what happens. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why did he give himself for the church? I'm waiting on you. I'm going to wait patiently. I'm going to wait real patiently. Why did the Lord give himself for the church? He loved her. And what did she need? Forgiveness of sin. Now look, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Husbands, I want to ask you, men, how good are we at this? Because if we're not good at this, we're not being Christ-like. And if we're not being Christ-like, we're not being conformed to His image. And if we're not being conformed to His image, we're going to miss the kingdom. See, if we do little things well, if I can live with someone up close, my wife, and I can practice these things, do you know how easy it is for me to function with Brother Tracy? I don't have to see him a lot. So guess what I can be? I can be very engaging. But do you know where I learned this? If I didn't learn it with my wife, how am I going to to excel with others? Look what happens. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Three. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. If you do not understand a right marriage relationship, the mystery of the church is very confusing. But if you have a good working foundation of this, guess what it opens up to you? Everything. Look what he says. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now then, I'm not going to... Yes, we'll take time to read it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you're not nurturing to your wife, you're not going to be nurturing to your children. If you're not mindful of her needs, and I'm not talking... Some left field, crazy something. That's not what I'm saying. Look what happens next. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things for them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. And he goes into finally, and guess what he tells them to put on? The whole armor of God. Now I want to go to just a couple other passages this morning. Really what I want you to see this morning is the opportunity we have before us with those who are closest to us. They're the ones who sharpen us, 
who hone our skills the quickest. Because you know who sees us as we really are? Next to the Lord, my wife knows me better than anyone else on the face of this earth. And guess who I know better? Only the Lord knows her better. Turn with me to 1 Peter for just a minute. I've committed to myself not to read anything in chapter 3 until I read the end of chapter 2 in 1 Peter chapter 2. So we're going to pick up in verse 21 so that I can be true to myself. My wife would remind me of this if I tried to skip over and read this because I've said, if you don't read this, there's no need reading chapter 3. For even hereunto were you called... Because Christ also suffered, leaving us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now, who do we fail to commit ourselves to? The judge. If you've got a good judge, do you know what you're not afraid of going before? If you know the judge is righteous and you know you're doing right, what do you have to fear? Look what he says. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Likewise... What does that mean? I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not, I, I struggle to study it sometimes. Anyone in here tell me what that likewise means? I'm not being bashful. I'm serious. Some of you men who are, studied, who, who are well studying this, what does that likewise mean? The same way. You wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be one without, without the word, be one by the behavior of their wives, not conversation. Ladies, do you know what you do to a man when you start telling him something? I know I'm preaching to a bunch of them this morning. You know what you do with men when you start talking to them? What do we get tired of, guys? Just tell me what you want me to know, right? <laughs> the ladies are nodding their head. They know y'all better than you know yourselves. <laughs> Look what happens next. While they behold your chaste behavior coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be with the outward adorning of plaiting of hair or wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in the which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. This is the same for us when we're servants, is it not? What does the Lord look for in us, men? A meek and a quiet spirit? One that handles things well? One that is in unison with the Lord? One who sees and knows that He knows our position, our condition? Now look what happens next. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now y'all remember, we always think of Abraham as a great man. Twice he took his wife and let her be a part of another man's harem and called her his sister. Now I'm going to tell y'all, a lot of you ladies in here, that wouldn't bother you at all. My wife wouldn't take well to that. Okay? She's laughing because we know each other pretty well. Do you know how hard it would be for her to be... Th I mean, there would be some conversation before this took place. <laughs> that was a difficult place, was it not? I want you to think of Jacob's wives. I want you to think of David's wives. And all you'll think about if I say Solomon is the number of wives... 
but it was a complicated situation. And I think Abigail was one of the greatest women in all of Scripture. That's just a side note because I've been preaching on her. Look what happens. Likewise, again, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That's the reason we read this passage. Do you know what is hindered when there is unforgiveness? I want to ask you this morning, if this is applies with their wife, with their children, with their masters, how much greater in the body of Christ? And I say this in all honesty. I tremble to come and speak and to get a group of preachers together because you know what? The Lord said, don't teach things you don't do. Because you're going to be called into a higher accountability. It's fearful for me to stand before you this morning. My children and my wife always hate it before I speak, especially if it's a big thing. Because you know what they get? They get examined, cross-examined, and re-examined again to make sure that guess what's right between us. You say, really, Brian? I want you to know that I have had two meetings with people in my church before this conference. Do you know why? I couldn't come and speak on these things if I was not doing them without being held accountable before the Lord for teaching you something that I'm not actively trying to apply. It is important to do little things well. My time is almost gone and you're relieved. Uh, turn back with me for just a minute to, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I, I'm going to conclude, uh, hopefully, with a couple of these things. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, ladies, if you want to read that, y'all seem to understand and agree with everything I'm saying, so I'm not going to read that to y'all again. So I'm just going to pick up with the men in chapter 3 and verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desireth the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop must then must be what? Blameless. And I want you men to think about this. If we're not holy, guess what it's going to be? What profit is there? Do you know what it do you know what makes us holy? It's what follows. Do you know what makes me holy? The husband of one wife, faithful. And you can do a word study on these. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Do you know what all those require, men? I don't care any man alive. This should be our goal. If we want to be pleasing to the Lord, do you know why? He sets this up as the model servant. And pastors, guess what we are? We're supposed to be the ultimate servant. And if you don't serve well in your home, do you know where you're not going to serve well at either? Because look at what it prepares us for. Look what he says. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Don't read ahead. Here comes the warning. There are two warnings in here. And do you know who's going to get you if you don't do these things? The one who desires to take your reward and see you unfaithful at the judgment seat of Christ. Look what it says. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he shall fall into the condemnation of the devil. What's the next thing? Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the 
devil. Why are our personal relationships so important? Because we're only going to do as well out there as we do here. But you know what we deceive ourselves into thinking? How many of you pastors have been in any difficult situations? If you haven't, keep going. They'll find you. To mediate difficult situations requires that I be what with my children? Swift and slow to speak. If I can't do it at home, do you know what happens when you get in the top place in ministry? Do you know what starts to come up? The things you've not conquered. Now look, look with me at one other place and then we will close. I've got two and a one quarter minutes. Titus chapter 2. Men, I want to I remind you that what we just looked at, it was a wife, children, and a house. How many? Three. Your wife, that's who you've got to be faithful to. Your children, that's who you've got to love. As Brother Ken said just a few minutes ago when we sang, if we don't have a passion and a love for these things... What did 1 Corinthians 13 tell us? I don't care how much good you do. If it's not what? In love, it, it's profitless. Look in, verse, in chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may do what? Teach young women to be sober-minded. To love their... And to love their... To be discreet, chaste keepers at... Home. Do you see the same pattern that keeps showing up each time? You have three. Now, do you remember in Matthew chapter 7 how the Lord concludes everything He said to them on the Sermon on the Mount? Do you remember how He concluded it? Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Those are people who do what the Lord says, and it establishes us. Look what happens. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the Sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these things, that they were astonished at his doctrine. What did Paul want us to do? He said, Don't just be hearers, but be doers. I want to present you as a chaste virgin. Men, that would mean a lot to us if we were meticulously preparing our wives. Do you know what it would make us aware of? What the Holy Spirit was wanting to do with us. To make us ready for a bridegroom. So it's my desire today to leave you with, do these little things first. Because they equip you to pray. They equip you to battle. And if you're not in order at home, do you know what good all your battle is? Think about David. He stayed home. He didn't go to battle. You know what, you know what happened every time after that? Do you know what he didn't do? David becomes passive after that point. His children are having all manner of conflict. Do you know who doesn't get involved? So prepare well. 
Because you know what it will give you later? The ability to be fruitful and useful to the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. I pray, Father, that you will quicken and challenge our hearts to live personally in our relationships, transparently and available and ready to serve those who are closest to us, that we might be fit to serve those that are further away from us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.